Hey guys, what's up? It's Chelsea. And it's Rebecca. And we're here today for another episode of the Sassanac Files. I know you guys are shocked because you didn't hit play on the Sassanac Files new episode or anything like that. But that's what we're here to talk to you about today. 105, Rent. And thank God Chelsea is way more excited to talk about Rent than she was about last week. And yes, I am talking about myself in third person. It makes me so sad <laughs> that you didn't like that episode. I'm like, Ugh. Before we get into episode analysis, we want to take a moment to remind you guys that you can find us on iTunes, CastBox, Podbean, and Spotify. And then, major news for you guys, because I know we've had some people asking questions. We are on Google Play, sort of. So... Google is officially disbanding Google Play at the end of 2020. So when we filled out our little application thing for Google, it automatically filed us under their new app, Google Podcasts. So if you download their new app, Google Podcasts, you can find us there. So what do you think, Rebecca? You want to talk about rent? Yes. So guys, we were talking about this before the podcast started, and I was like, you're going to have to carry like the first 10 minutes because I have pretty much no notes other than the fact that Scotland's really pretty. That's my note. (laughs) Yep. I actually wrote that down myself. God, Scotland is beautiful. But I wanted to make a comment on the title card, actually, because I paid attention this week. It shows horses. And it made me go, oh my god, we made a perfect picture choice for this episode because it totally matches. Even as I watched this episode, I went, oh my god, just even more it confirmed that we picked the right one, because it just showed all the men on the horses, and I went, this is basically, it is basically about these men the whole time. It's so cool. I just, I love the picture we chose. It's so funny that you say that, because I was reading an interview with Tony Graffia about this episode. Tony Graffia wrote this episode, and she said she was massively apprehensive about writing this one because it was such a guys episode. So it's funny that you're like, yeah, this episode is totally about a group of guys riding around because I feel like I would be apprehensive about writing that episode too. So, Tony Graffia, (laughs) you did a great job, okay? You did a wonderful job with this episode. She really did good, and she showcased how Jamie was feeling about everything really well, how Claire misinterpreted things, which I would have done the exact same thing, so I wasn't even mad at her. It was really easy to follow and just another step in the right direction uh, where the story ends up going anyways, which is with that battle and all the Jacobites and everything. So it, it was pretty cool. It's funny that you say that you don't blame Claire for her actions because when yeah. I was watching this episode and taking notes, I was like, and I wrote it down. <laughs> it says, Claire has a justice button. Like Rebecca. <laughs> yes, I am so happy you know this. <laughs> anyway, because I personally take issue with Claire's behavior in this episode. But I knew, I knew you would not take issue with it. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a point of contention. I can feel it already. Well, it's like, I totally get her misinterpreting it at all, because she doesn't understand what they're saying. So I could have just, it just seems logical for her to come to the conclusion that she did, because I would have done the same. And then it intentionally leads her in this direction, like leading her to believe that she's right in her assumptions to keep her off the scent, essentially. 
she he's just feeding her assumptions at this point, which I love Ned. Ned is one of my favorite characters of these early episodes. I feel like he's so smart and weaselly, but hilarious, too. Yeah. One thing that I did um, notice this episode that I had never noticed before is whenever they're at that first opening scene and they're all like wrestling and beating up on Willie, <laughs> Willie has these plaid pants on and I never ever noticed that they were like tartan before. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I need those pants. So go back and watch and look at him what he's wearing in that opening little kerfuffle because yes they're fantastic that's so funny the thing i noticed was finally actually hearing ned say that they're basically beating up on willie and saying like he should have biblical relations with his sister i never noticed that before and i went ew why would you like pick on the new kid like that that's weird oh it's like um your mom jokes you know like it's just a guy thing i get your mom jokes but hey go have sex with your sister that's hilarious let's be (laughs) (laughs) sounds stupid like but you can hear jamie laughing in the background too i could hear him i went what'd you think of the john dunn poem at the beginning what i noticed was oh Claire found somebody else who is on her level and Mm -hmm. would actually talk to her like Jamie does. He talks to her like she's a person. She doesn't look at her like she's a Sassanac. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and I liked that. I didn't really pay attention to what the wording was, but I just thought it was cool. She found a connection with someone else who looks at her like a person versus just this woman and an outsider. I was extremely confused why they chose that particular poem. You know, they don't just choose a poem just to choose it. There's some symbolism and a very good reason for why they chose that poem. And I really wish that I could hear the backstory behind it because it makes yeah. me curious. What what was actually said? Like, I guess, what was the gist of the meaning? It says, Absence, hear thou my protestation against thy strength distance and length do what thou canst for alteration for hearts of truest metal absent doth join and time doth settle i'm wondering what the symbolism of absence is absence makes the heart grow fonder i is that a really fancy way of saying that i i if somebody knows please message me on social media or send us an email or something because i really am curious Because I've listened to this poem several times. I've watched this episode at least five times. And it never has really clicked for me. So if you get it, or if you know why they chose this, please let me know. Because I'm extremely curious. So how then the guys are all being douchebags as they're sitting around the fire. And they're all talking in Gaelic. And I just feel so bad for Claire. And it literally boils my blood thinking about it. I'm like, why you gotta be like that? That's mean. You invite the girl along, and then you don't speak a lick of English. That's just rude. Yeah, but they're doing their thing. And what I thought was really sweet was Jamie went up to her and said, don't worry about what they're doing, because he knows they're doing it on purpose, and he just Mm -hmm. makes her, as much as he can, feel included. So I I just thought that was really sweet. I thought it was really funny where Dougal was telling that story, because all I kept seeing was Graham in my head, like, telling this dirty story. And I went, 
<laughs> I'm not seeing Google right now. I'm just seeing Graham, and it just made me laugh. I kind of wanted to backtrack because the men were riding on the horses singing a song that I know nothing what it was, but it just made me laugh because it kind of looked like Sam was mouthing it a little bit, but he probably was singing, but it just it looked a little obvious that he was mouthing, so I just thought that was kind of hilarious, too. The song is about a guy having sex with a girl is what it's about. It's a very body song. So, yeah, they're talking about grinding a girl's corn. Like, that's where that <laughs> saying comes from. <laughs> so, yes. Totally makes sense that a group of guys are singing this song because they're bored as they're riding a bunch of horses between stops on their rent trek. They're, they're on a road trip. So they have exactly. to have fun like this, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I agree with you, honestly, like, to what you were saying, how much it was irritating you that they were intentionally excluding her. Like, it bothered me, too, because she already really feels out of place. The last thing she needs is people making her feel excluded. Like she said in her brain, she goes, they're intentionally doing this, and that's hurtful. It's not that they gave me not a whole lot of food. It's not the coarse humor that they have it's just genuinely they're excluding me and it hurts my feelings so I totally got her there and Jamie you're right Jamie makes an effort to kind of like bridge the gap and say hey don't worry about it Mm -hmm. but at the same time he's like they know like Dougal knows that you're not fully on board with this and that you're gonna cut and run the first chance you get And he was like, don't forget, I know that. I was there when that happened, and I haven't forgot (laughs) it either. And it is clear to me that it's all over your face, Claire. That's what you're thinking about. So, (laughs) and she gets so pissed at him. And it's like, oh, for telling the truth? You're mad at him for telling the truth, girl. (laughs) And she did say, like, what are you talking about? And he goes, you asked. He literally says, you, you asked ask. what I was thinking. <laughs> yep. And I just laughed because his smirk on his face, he has no problem telling her how he thinks or what he's thinking. So I just, I love that. I just had a thought. So I'm thinking about Jamie being like, so, well, you asked and him smirking and the way that he deals with Claire. And it just made me think about his sister. And how Claire and Jenny, I know that we haven't met Jenny in the show, really. We've seen her once in a flashback. But, like, they're yeah. very similar in their temperament and the way they handle things. So, I'm sure Jamie's just like, I've seen it all before. Like, I know how to handle this because that's how his sister is. <laughs> that really makes me wonder. You know, I didn't piece that together in that moment, but that would make sense. And also, Jenny is way more intense than Claire. Like, Claire even goes, oh, my God. But, like, they're both of their own time period. So, right. like, he's he's had Jenny to deal with. He can handle Claire. Like, she's nothing. That's probably why he sits back and goes, okay. Because he had Jenny as a sister. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point, actually. I never pieced that together. Glad to enlighten. Um, I just had this revelation as I was sitting here listening to you talk. You're, like, talking about that little smirk on his face. And I'm, like... I've seen that look on my brother too many times to count, and that's kind of what made me like, oh, maybe that's why, because he's got Jenny as a sister. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is you're Jenny and Claire, but in this time period, is that correct? (laughs) I probably am more like Jenny, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Um, I'm just a very loud, no bullshit type of person. 
We can't wait to meet Jenny in the series so we can talk about her more. She's awesome. So they're at the first village picking up the rent and everything. And I just, I wrote down, like, how funny it was how they joke with each other. All the men are joking and, like, the one, I think this was the same scene where Dougal was like, oh, your son, are you sure your wife didn't get another man in her, like, in your bed? But the kid obviously looks like the dad, so I just thought that was funny. And then they're they're actually taking pigs, and that's something we forgot in the early on in the episode was that Ned was like, we're not taking animals. He tells Claire this when she's helping him with his asthma and stuff before that happens. But, like, in this moment, they're taking animals, and Ned's like, we're doing this. So, like, okay, I guess we're changing plans. And Claire points that out, and he goes, yeah, I know. It was just pigs, though, that he took exception with. He was talking about, like, well, a goat ate my handkerchief, and I don't have any problems with fowl as long as they're trussed. But pigs, I'm not doing pigs. And then the guy's like, hey, I've got two fat pigs. And the look on his face. (laughs) He just gets Dougal the side eye. Like, really? No. No pigs. (laughs) And then Claire wanders off. And I wrote pea blanket before all the stuff even happens. I just keep envisioning the smell. Like, it must have been (laughs) awful. Like, it's just so bad. And it makes me want to gag thinking about it. Yeah, it sounds, well, it sounds terrible. It probably does smell bad. And all I kept noticing, again, was just all the different colors of season one and just how all the browns and greens pop and it's just beautiful. But one thing I actually noticed finally, I don't know if you ever noticed this before, but when they were singing, they literally say Moni and Down, which means they're saying my brown hair is last. And I want to know what else they are saying. Like, are they saying, like, there's this brown-haired lass going on a trip or something? Like, I don't know. It, like, got me excited. So I wanted to know if you even noticed that. No, I didn't notice. I was paying more attention to the rhythm of the song and how their hands were working to the beat of it. Because that was, Mm -hmm. like, the entire intention behind the wool, like, singing while they were walking wool is to keep a steady beat for them to beat the dye into the cloth, I guess. Yeah. But no, I was not paying attention to the lyrics, but that's extremely interesting. Yeah. It tripped me out this round because what you were looking at this round was something I have noticed before. So it's just fun to catch new stuff. I I love that. They're all, all the ladies are drinking and they're like, don't tell the men that we have this good alcohol here. Don't. (laughs) She goes, I won't tell them. And they're all um, talking, and then they're like, cheers, you know, whatever they say in, in, in uh, Highlander talk. Slancha. 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 There we go. And she goes, bottoms up, and they look at her like, she's a freak. And I went, this is amazing. <laughs> Which goes um, hand in hand with later when she's going to pee in the bucket, and she says, Geronimo. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, this chick is whack. She's so um, weird, but okay, whatever. She, yeah. I th- um, I want to get in what she was asking them. She was talking about Craig mm-hmm. Nadu, and she was asking where it was, and they're giving her answers, and she's trying to be, like, making sure she's not giving anything away that she's trying to get away, but it's interesting, the folklore that gets brought up. It's very interesting to hear all of their stories surrounding Craig Nadoon because one girl's like, oh, it's where the fairies live. And the other 
maybe doesn't believe in it so much. And she's talking about, oh, yeah, so-and-so thought they saw a fairy, but it turned out it was just an old piebald sheep, you know? So it's interesting to kind of hear their take on it as well, because even back then, there's likely a divide between, like, who believed in the superstitious stuff and who was like, eh, I don't know. Yep. And so Claire's peeing in the bucket, and what happens? Angus interrupts her pee session. And I was like, girl, that has got to be so uncomfortable. You're in mid-pee and someone stops you. I was like, dude, Angus, chill. Like, I get you need to watch her and you're mad that she left, quote-unquote, in his mind she was trying to leave, but that's not what she was doing. But I was like, dude, chill. It is okay. But I get it. Once I saw Dougal, like, he wasn't even chill about it either. He was like, you're supposed to be watching her. So I guess in his mind, technically, he just... He was told to do something, and it didn't go the way he was thinking it was going to go. Like, she doesn't listen to any of them at all anyway, so they already have trouble with her. But I was like, dude, don't be grabbing her like that. I literally got pissed at Angus in that moment. (laughs) She goes to grab the goat because the lady had told her that they had to give the goat away to pay the rent. And Claire goes to get it, and Rupert's like, what are you doing? This is our goat. And she's like, there's a baby that needs milk. And I totally got her in that moment. She has no control over anything, so obviously she's going to try and do this. And then this man comes out of the tiny stable or something, and he asks her if she's okay. And what we find out is that he's got an English accent as well. So someone who would see her with these Scottish men as an English woman, making sure she's okay. He was taking an extreme risk to help her. The smartest thing for him to do would be to keep his head down and keep his mouth shut. Because as an English guy by himself in a small little Scottish village, nobody would have noticed for a long time if he had disappeared, you know? And so, like, I really like this guy. (laughs) Lieutenant Jeremy Foster. Uh, He pops up a few more times along the way, but yeah, I really admire that he was like, okay, if she needs help, I'm going to help her versus just keeping, you know, keeping his head down and minding his own business. But yeah, I do a bold thing. I never thought about that. Actually, he basically put himself on the spot to get murdered. That's what happened. Exactly. For sure. looked like he was going to kill him. (laughs) All of them. Like Rupert is sitting there with his hand on his sword. Angus is like, go suck on your mom's tit. And then Dougal is like, mind your own damn business. And even Jamie walks around the corner of the wagon and like grabs his sword. And it's like, dude, really stuck his foot in a pile of shit for this random woman he doesn't even know. So yeah, I really admire him. What I noticed was Jamie looked at Claire to kind of see where she was when he grabbed his sword. And I just thought, okay, they're all like not going to let this guy take her away. Obviously, the Lieutenant Foster was probably going to get pummeled. But there was a recent interview that I watched with Graham. And he had said this was one of his favorite scenes to film because he got to be there for Stephen. Is that correct? The guy who plays Angus? Stephen Walters, yeah. Stephen Walters. Okay, so he said it was cool to just stand there and let Stephen go nuts because he did all sorts of things. He's the crazy one. If you're in seeds with him, you never know what he's going to do. And I just find that so fascinating. Graham literally was like, I loved filming that. And I got to like stand next to him while he did what he was going to do. And it was just pretty cool. I just thought that's pretty interesting to have it be a scene that he liked doing, which was all about one person, I guess, you know, because it Mm -hmm. was his turn 
to shine. So I just thought that was pretty cool and funny yeah, to hear him cool. talk about how, how crazy Steven is. <laughs> I think it, besides whenever in episode 101, we obviously see the Redcoats and the Scots shooting at each other. But this is the first time that we're really confronted with the Scots versus the English dynamic and how things are in the Highlands. They're just such high tensions. Uh, I feel like this is the first time that we really get a handle on that. And also, one comment that I wanted to make about the goat was that, Mm. uh, backtracking just a little bit, was that for Dougal and the men of the rent party, this is all business. It's not personal, it's business. And Claire makes it personal. And like, I get where she's coming from, She's but she's making it emotional, and the guys can't, because it's their responsibility to go out and collect these rents for the Laird, and everybody has a sob story, you know? Everybody has a reason that they can't make payments, or can't do this, or can't mm-hmm. do that, but yep. the fact of the matter is, they owe money to the Laird, and it's these guys' responsibility to collect that, so it's interesting yep. to see that yep. that's the initial sentiment of everything and then by the time we get to this last village something's changed and so that's why I wanted to point that out here in the beginning of the episode because that's definitely not the case towards the end of this episode. I'm glad you said something because I actually wrote that down like Dougal is just doing business and it's a tough spot because this is business he's not doing it to make a baby starve. (laughs) Right he's not doing it out of malice he's doing it because he has to. Not that I like Dougal, because I still don't like Dougal, but I kind of can understand his position. Totally. And on that note of not liking Dougal, how were you when he ripped Jamie's shirt off? How did you feel about that? I don't like the guy. Don't think that's any secret. And really, like, if anything has been made abundantly clear through these little analysis rewatches that we're doing... I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, watching these shows and taking notes on them to talk about them gives me an entirely new appreciation for the characters, the plot, how everything is pieced together and what the motivations are for these characters. I really like before we started doing this, I didn't like Dougal, but I didn't really have a strong aversion to him either. I wasn't like a that son of a bitch, you know? But now, I'm just like, oh, I really don't like you. I just don't. I don't like you. So when he ripped Jamie's shirt off, I'm just like, really was just paying more attention to Sam in that moment in his acting. Because Jamie, as a character, I think about how I would have reacted in a moment like that. And the fact that he just sits there. Murta stands up like, oh, I'm going to beat the piss out of you. And Jamie reaches out and stops him and says, no. And Jamie just sits there until everybody leaves. And then Claire and Dougal are having this conversation where, and I texted, I texted Rebecca at this point when I'm watching. And I say, be a good laugh, fetch a needle and thread and mend that. And fuck you, Dougal. Fuck you. Yep. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, you just think you're entitled to the world. The only thing that can make his life better at this point, in his opinion, is if he was if his brother died and he was the Laird. 
Yeah. And so he really thinks that everybody else in the world is there to do his bidding, and he doesn't give two shits about anybody else. He doesn't care you that would... he just humiliated his nephew in front of a room full of people because it's going to get him the money that he wants. He doesn't care that he's belittling Claire because she's a woman. That's her job, in his opinion. In it's all about mind. him. He's the most self-centered character of all of them, I think. I wrote fuck you, Dougal, ripping Jamie's shirt off like that. But what I find funny is he could sew that shirt himself because all the Scotsmen know how to sew. You're right when you said, like, when he just threw the shirt at Claire and made her sew it, it's because she's a woman and knows how to do that. And I don't have to because I'm a man. It, it really was apparent in that moment. He did not. You're right. He did not give two shits. He was not going to do anything except what he wanted because it got him what he wanted. It's heartbreaking. And every time I watch this part of the scene, my heart just breaks a little bit because Claire is like, throws the shirt back at Dougal and is like, mend it yourself. And then he's like, well, he can wear rags for all I care. And Claire is just like, that's my friend. You know, like, she's like, fine. If you want to be that way, like, yes, I will mend his shirt, but I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for him. And then Jamie just stands up, rips the shirt away from her and says, I'll mend it myself and storms out. And it's like, understand what Dougal was saying and it did make me want to cry because I'm like how is he not crying I know he's a man but that would have made me cry having something like that happen that I didn't want shown to the world it's on his terms if he wants to take his shirt off and show what Randall did and it just it was sad and I agree like when he went to grab his own shirt and said I can mend my own shirt and he walks out I'm like oh my god the let's go somewhere lighter ish, I guess. The next scene, Claire basically word vomits to Ned. I know you're stealing money and all this other stuff. And I just went, Wow, Claire, okay. Like, okay, you just say that and I, from what we were saying before, like that just conversation's so funny and you're right. Ned just goes, Well, aren't you smart? You got us all figured out. I'm just gonna let you keep thinking that because I'm not supposed to tell you what's going on. Which kind of I just almost gets her in trouble. In a way, and Ned had to kind of step in later. I have a hard time accepting Claire's behavior in scenes like this. Like, a lot of this episode, I'm just like, really? Because she's not being smart about it. It all goes back to the, yeah, I get that you have a problem with it, but you don't always have to speak your mind. You have to realize what time you're in. Yes, we get that you're a woman of the 1940s and you're more progressive than where you're at right now, but you are where you are. It's like the conversation that Jamie has with her later. It doesn't matter where you come from. You're here. And so when Jamie says that, I'm just like, hallelujah, praise Jesus, somebody said it. Because, like, that's how I felt this whole episode watching Claire. She's always constantly pointing the finger and accusing people of doing this, that, or the other. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter, really, because A, what are you going to do about it? And B, you're really just going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. So you just need to keep your mouth shut. I understand her, but I wouldn't have been just straight up like that, talking to them the way I was talking. I probably would have asked Jamie, like, hey, what's going on? Because this is what it looks like. Is this really what's happening? I need you to tell me right now. Or I would have right. talked to Ned that way. 
I would have tar- pulled my friends aside. I wouldn't have, just, well, you know, because they are her friends, those two. But I would not have talked to Dougal or Angus that way. Those guys would have had no problem doing whatever they needed to do to make sure she, like, submitted. So I agree with you. She opens her mouth when she shouldn't. And I appreciate Jamie telling her, it doesn't matter where you're from. You're here with us. And those are fighting words. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So the next thing that we run into is our first little dalliance with a little group of guys called The Watch, which was a nice little planting of information for later mm-hmm. in the season. What's your thoughts on them? <laughs> I take issue. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think it's right. I just don't. I, they're going to go where the money is, and it's just not okay. It makes me think of Hamilton, the the music where Burr has not, he doesn't stand for anything. He just goes where it benefits him. And Hamilton's like, if you don't have anything to fight for, what will you fall for then? Like, where where do your loyalty actually lie? And I totally get it. I just, I couldn't be a, the watch person because it's too selfish. You have, what are you really doing here except going where the money is? And it just really irritates me when people are like that. Just stand up for something because you know what you really think and feel just do it why are you being like this I don't get how people can be like that it genuinely just doesn't make sense in my brain because I have such an intense justice button and once I know something's wrong it's just it's fucking wrong so what are you doing um (laughs) this is not okay basically that's how I feel in so many words Chelsea I don't like them and how they're behaving right now (laughs) hashtag called it (laughs) yep There's a couple of lines from that scene that I really like. Claire's, oh, they're patriots until it profits them not to be. Which, yep, that pretty much nails it on the head. And then Murta saying their loyalty lies where the money lies. Which is also pretty much to a T. I don't know, like, yeah, it kind of sets the stage for why Jamie doesn't like them moving forward. Also, the fact that they're would turn him in in an instant. That's the whole point of this conversation is that Jamie disappeared. And she's like, where is he? Oh, he's <laughs> making himself scarce. <laughs> yep. I actually wrote by Felicia. Like, <laughs> he like turned tail and went the other way. He's halfway to Aberdeen. Yeah. That's where he's at. <laughs> I noticed the way even Ned was saying it to her, he goes, no, 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 this is this is business. He speaks to her the way Jamie does, logically. He speaks to her the way it's going to hit her clear. This is what's actually happening. And and I didn't even pay attention to what Murta said to her. So thank you. He was doing the exact same thing, in a way. The way that Ned said that, though, no, 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 that's business. Almost yeah. made me wonder if he was being sarcastic or, like, condescending in a way. Like, that's almost how it struck me. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dougal's taking his cut, but that's not the way that Dougal looks at it. Yeah, I agree with you. It came off a little condescending, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's probably just as irritated by it all as a lawyer, so, yeah. <laughs> so, we make it to the final village that they're at, and suddenly, Dougal's pulled a 180, and he's given all the food to these people. Yep, they barely have anything. And I wonder if it was genuine for a second there I do wonder that but this is Dougal so here's this is a just now thought um maybe he was doing that so that way they would come that night and be more willing to give to his whatever was happening I think 
that there's the possibility of that. But personally, I think that for all of his misgivings, <laughs> yeah. Duhul yeah. is, like, he knows what's right and he knows what's wrong. And he, it's like this guy told him, he was like, the Redcoats came through two days ago and took everything. We have nothing left. We can't even feed our family. And yeah. Dougal despises the English. Like, that's his whole purpose in life, is to defeat the English and put King James back on the throne. So I think he genuinely did it because he felt bad for these people. So I think it was probably twofold. He genuinely did it because he felt bad for them, and he wanted them to know that. But at the same time, through them knowing that, it's feeding his purpose as well by them wanting to give to the cause. So yeah, I think that it, yep. it all is kind of entangled at this point. But I do think that it yep. was a genuine moment for him as well. I agree. It's all entangled. That was perfect. One web. And then there's Claire. And I just went, shut the fuck up. What are you doing? <laughs> I wrote down Claire's Justice Button needs an emergency off switch. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up! Stop talking! Yeah, just... Well, like, Ned literally goes, um, Dougal, blah, blah, blah. He, like, says something random. I forgot the exact wording. And then Dougal's like, what exactly are you accusing me of? And then she tells him straight up. I'm like, girl... She just had no problem saying exactly what she thought, which was good for Dougal. And then he goes, you know nothing, Jon Snow, basically, is what he's saying. Yes. And then walks away. And good thing Ned was there, because Jamie literally just stood on the wagon like, okay, girl, like, whatever. <laughs> he just kind of had this look on his face like, I'm not helping. <laughs> like, if you can't, like, keep your own ass safe three quarters of the time, like, I really can't meet you halfway here. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're not going to give a little listen, just, just something. <laughs> Help a guy out here. Come on. <laughs> Which really, like, just drives the point home. Why in hell did he agree to marry her? It's like it's like Sam said oh, in one of the interviews. There was this question where the moderator asked, if you could go back and tell your character anything, like, give them a piece of advice, what would it be? And Sam's yep. like, don't go anywhere near her. She'll ruin your life. <laughs> don't, don't go near her. She's a mess. <laughs> oh, my God. That was one of the funniest things I've ever heard in those interviews. I rewound it so many times because I went, exactly, because I was thinking it. Don't marry her. Yeah, I think it was the season five New York Comic Con panel. So you guys should definitely check it out if you haven't watched it. It was hilarious. It was awesome. Probably one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. That was some good stuff. Uh, And then Claire finds out exactly what's up. Holy shit, they're all Jacobites. Plus the title of this episode, the one where they're all actually Jacobites. Yeah, it still makes me (laughs) laugh. Like, uh, good title, Chelsea. That was good. I try. It was actually pretty easy for you. There are some really good titles coming your way, guys and gals, because there are some good ones. Okay, Monsters and Heroes was another great title, so good stuff. The funny but part is, I don't movie. even remember what half of these titles are that you're talking about. I remember the oh. Roger one, but <laughs> there's so many t- 
titles at this point that I'm just like, I look at the list before I fill out the upload info for all the platforms yeah. and that's it. Like, and I love in the moment where Claire's finding out everything and it's becoming clear, she has flashbacks with Frank. And throughout this episode, we're getting Frank stuff, which I just, I love seeing that. I love seeing Tobias, and I love seeing Frank, and it just made my heart happy. It was nice to see Reverend Wakefield as well, but, like, I love that while she's piecing this together, we're getting a flashback, and it's her, Frank, and Reverend Wakefield talking about all this happening, and how Frank's like, there was one uprising before the main one that everyone knows about. She's there with these people who started this, who are trying to fight for their country, like, that would have softened me up really quickly as asshole as Google is and everything, and how, like, kind of rough around the edges Angus is, it would have softened me up a bit more, because this is a big deal what they're trying to do, and what makes it even horrible is that it was a big failure. Just to be in the room with them, that would trip me out. I would just be, like, flipping my shit, and she kept it pretty cool. I love that, how she found out, like, it was good stuff throughout the episode. Something that I wrote down was that I like that they're not giving us subtitles with what they're saying. It keeps us in Claire's point of view. It's pretty obvious what they're meaning. Even if you can't understand what they're saying, the meaning behind it is pretty clear. This is abundantly clear in the last little meeting that they have after they find the guys by the road. And Dougal is telling them about finding these guys and like how this is red coat justice. So I feel like that's a lot of this. Yes, you're intentionally meant to be in the dark because you're from Claire's point of view. But as you go along in the story, you are understanding more and more of it as you're intended to. And then at the end, you pretty much know everything that he's saying without understanding a word of it. So I thought it was very clever how it was done in all honesty. Can we talk about that moment with Jamie and Claire by the tree where Jamie and Dougal were talking and Jamie's confronting Dougal basically on why you're like ripping my shirt, dude. Like, I want to not keep doing this anymore before they see the bodies. I just thought that moment, that's one of my other favorite moments with them was just just Jamie and Claire. It was super cute. And then Jamie goes, the trees are safe. (laughs) That's an act. Yeah. I love young Jamie in these early episodes. Like, as much as I love the man that Jamie becomes in later seasons, having him young and flirtatious and so happy a lot of the time Mm -hmm. is something that that I find myself missing in later seasons. He's always carried a lot of responsibility, but he has the weight of the world on him for the majority of this series. So I like to take it back to season one and see him as a young man because... I think that tells you a lot about how who Jamie is at heart, even if we don't necessarily see that all the time. Like, I like seeing him flirt with Claire and just be young. Yeah. We have to talk about this other moment between Jamie and Claire, which I thought was another cute one. They find the men on the road, and all of that transpires. Really shakes the Mm -hmm. men up. Then Dougal proceeds to talk about it in the tap room of the pub that they're staying at that night and kind of make more money for the Jacobites and gets everybody really riled up. And yep. then it shoots to Claire in her bed and she hears something happening outside her door and like gets her candlestick. Like she's going to brain somebody with a candlestick. Yep. And she like throws yep. the door open and walks out on the attack and trips over Jamie. <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, out! Oh, he's like, son like, of a bitch! <laughs> like, ow! <laughs> and she's like, what the hell? 
confusion. So much confusion. And this is the <laughs> second time she's done this to him. So how is he supposed to feel? <laughs> like, no. It's like, dude, you should know. Like, she's gonna like try to hit you okay. if something happens. Like, <laughs> Oh my god, you scared the shit out of her, okay? Not nice. Yeah, yeah, he sounded like a mini herd out there trying to lie down. Like, <laughs> oh my good lord. So, basically, we find out that everybody downstairs is completely drunk. And he yeah. came up to basically sit guard in front of her door to make sure that yeah. nobody came up with dishonorable intentions. His friend. He's so cute. And come on. Like, so cute. Just how a freaking adorable is he? I honestly, like, so there are people that don't like Jamie. And I will say that the majority of the time when I talk to a person and they don't like Jamie, it is A, a man, and B, they are not yet halfway through season one when we have this discussion. I don't think that I have ever talked to a woman who does not like Jamie. And here's why. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Like this is how I feel personally. As a woman, even in modern times, yes, we're independent. It's great. Whatever. My thing is that even in this world that we live in today, it's not a safe place. And a lot of times we're still objectified. We're still seen as not necessarily property, but like, you know, sex object a lot of the time. And it depends on the environment. You could still be an object, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The point is that all we really want in life is for somebody to stick up for us and be willing to protect us. And Jamie is like the embodiment of that. So to see someone be Willing to be that for Claire. Yeah. Like, sold. Just wipe your hands. That's it. Like, yes. I will never, ever tell anybody that I don't like Jamie. Because that's all any girl wants, honestly. And if a woman tells you she doesn't want somebody to protect her and keep her safe, I call BS on it. Yeah. It's kind of ingrained in us. Any human, really. We wanted to feel safe from the beginning. But I know for me, that's something I want. And when it doesn't happen... It's heartbreaking, and it's not fun to defend yourself. It's not fun to feel like you have to be the one to do everything like that all the time. You want somebody to wrap their arms around you when you're not feeling safe, and there's something going on, and all you want is to be helped. I mean, I have no problem, because I know, like, I can get in a mode where I'm like, okay, let's do this. But it's nice to have someone go, who's asked do I need to kick for you? You don't need to do anything right here to protect you. Yeah, it's like, I'm an independent woman, and I can stand up for myself. I don't have a problem with that, but I shouldn't always have to stand up for myself. Like, it's nice to have somebody else there by my side to stick up for me. And honestly, if a guy decides to not do that in certain scenarios, like, are you even a man? Like, that's really how I'm feeling about that. Like, you're my boyfriend, for instance, and I hear some weird noise outside, and you're like, okay, whatever. I'm going to be like, are you for real right now? We're not even dating anymore. This has been over when I got the bat to go deal with this myself. Coward. Like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) over it. You're not a man. Like, that's it. Why would I even want to continue having sex with you and all this other stuff? Like, no, not happening. This was just a really cute moment. And I will say on my first watch of this season, 
I still was on the fence with him. This is why he was bothering me so much. Because I'm like, you obviously are a sweet man. Why are you macking with this young girl that you know really likes you and you don't like her? So I still had that in the the back of my brain. (laughs) Like on the side with this moment. You're like leading Leary on. And then this moment happens. I don't know what to do with you. And then obviously it wasn't until like the devil's mark where I was completely like, Jamie, I will forever be on your side. You're amazing. So just thought it was so cute. And then she goes, well, why don't you just come on in into the room because it's cold out here. And he goes, the fuck, woman? No. The what? Yeah. Yeah, he was like, with you in the room? No. I just, your reputation would be ruined. And she's like, my reputation? And he goes, yeah. And she's like, you and I have slept under the stars with all the other men around. Like, we've slept outside before. And And he's right when he said this. When he went, that's not the same thing. When he says, well, that's not the same thing at all. Like, he can't meet her eye. He's just like, what yeah. are you doing? This is, like, so awkward right now. Also, when Claire says, kind of half has to stop herself from laughing and says, my reputation, like, are you serious yeah. right now? <laughs> because yeah. she's English and it's quite clear to everyone that <laughs> nobody likes her except for him. <laughs> and she's like... My reputation, are you serious? Like, I'm an English woman, and everybody's pretty sure I'm a British spy. I'm pretty sure I have no reputation. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I didn't even think of that. That was a valid point. That's funny. It honestly, this moment made me think of Edward and Bella. Just little moments. And even when she hands him the blanket and they're, like, holding it together for a second, I just went, oh, my God. It's like when Bella touches Edward and he's cold and she's not a vampire yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> it, uh, I really, weird. honest to God, hope that everybody that's listening to this has read them and already knows because you totally did. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> Open mouth, insert foot. <laughs> Listen, okay, I'm going to do what people do in this fandom, which seriously irritates me. These books have been out a while. Is it really a spoiler? Yeah, it is. Sorry. I'm really sorry, everyone. Goodness. All right. Next morning. Pub yeah. Dude, I loved this scene. And one of the things that I loved about it was that Jamie wasn't there because it would have been so obvious he would have totally done something. But I just love that it was these men who have been like assholes to her and treating her like shit stick up for her and while she's talking to ned ned is hearing what these other scottish guys are saying about her and claire's trying to tell him you all are gonna lose this in the best way she can because she's trying to protect them and he's like damn history damn whatever people are gonna say we're hearing more of the men say something and then another thing i love the most about this moment is that angus was the one that was like bitch what'd you just say and bang he like brings his head on the table i was like this is amazing did you see graham like the way he was yelling like i'm like these are the moments men live for in these shows and movies and stuff to be able to yell and fight and just go nuts like that when her and ned are talking before the actual fight Whenever mm-hmm. she's saying, you know, you are you can't win, there's no point to this. You should just give up the fight. The English are, have a bigger army. It's the best fighting force in the world. And the whole time that she's saying this, I'm thinking in the back of my head, she sounds exactly like a British spy. 
the whole point of being a spy and like espionage in general is to undermine your opponent's cause in any way you can. Planting seeds of doubt, getting information. And now at this point, Ned knows, A, she knows there are Jacobites, and B, she's trying to undermine their cause. So if A plus B equals C, she's a British spy. She's doing herself no favors by trying to do them a favor. That's so interesting. My brain did not go there. I thought she was in the best way trying to just like let him know like, y'all are going to die. Without, no, hundred like, percent. Yeah, yeah I, that was her intention, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. But totally. she just wasn't doing herself any favors by trying to do them a favor. That's so interesting. I did not piece that together. This is where we're both doing this. Um, <laughs> I oh another God. thing that I noticed was that everybody is beat up except for Dougal and Myrta. Yep. And did you yep. see that they, like, in the middle of that fight, like, teamed up and tossed that guy headlong into the pillar yep. together? Because <laughs> they've had moments like these before. There was, like, no scratches on them at all. Oh, that was no. great. <laughs> and I love that they're all, she's naming all the stuff that's up with them, like, all the cuts and stuff. And then Willie goes, my ribs hurt a bit. We're first wife. Uh, that guy had, like, some nails on him. And then... <laughs> What did Angus say? I completely forgot what he said. Oh, she like uses the alcohol to and go on his like being um, a total baby about it. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, and she goes, oh my God, y'all are just babies. Like, why would you even do this? Like stupid boys. And then Myrta goes, it was for you. We were defending your honor. Like she looks at Angus and looks at Dougal and it's like, they're defending me. It warmed my heart a little bit. Yeah, and what really got me was that whenever they get to that final camping scene and Ned walks right past her without saying a word, and then Angus helps her get her sleeping bag thing off of her saddle, and I'm like, okay, so Angus and Ned have completely switched places. So now Angus is her friend, and Ned's like, fuck you. Which, I mean, I did not Ned has his reasons, you know? Like like I said earlier, he's completely justified in how he feels because Claire wasn't yeah. really being too smart about it. And she was basically telling him, you guys are going to lose, so how is that supposed to make him feel like she has no faith in them? And they were growing a friendship, so, like, mm-hmm. I never actually noticed this before, so good point, Chelsea. I did not notice that switch. But going back to when they're all saddling up outside of the little tavern. Oh, God. And Rupert is telling the story about his threesome experience. And Claire's like, Uh "Uh, the only thing I believe about that entire thing is that your left hand gets jealous of your right. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Did you see Jamie's face? He was like, whoa. He just like peeks. You see him like appear. From the other side of the horse, and he's like, yeah, and it's just like a beat of awkward silence, and then (laughs) everybody bursts into laughter, and that's when she knew she'd won him over. Yeah, (laughs) like I've never heard a woman tell a joke before. (laughs) I thought he said tell as well, but he actually says make a joke, and I love that he actually just says juke. I just tell a joke. So cute. Uh, what I love is when they go to where Jamie and Claire are, the horse literally laughs, too. If you have not seen that, y'all need to go back to that scene, because the horse literally, like, his 
teeth are showing, like, ah, you know, his head went back, and then the way Sam looks at the horse, like, I just thought it was great. I love that you pointed out that Angus helped her, because that was a really sweet moment, and then what I thought was interesting was why Dougal had done this, but, like, he tells the men to just let her go while she goes by herself, because normally somebody has to watch her. And he says, let her go. And I went, this is interesting. Dougal's being sweet. And I went, wait a minute. He did it because he wanted to talk to her alone. It had nothing to do with him being nice to her and giving her her space. Anyway. Well, I think he also <laughs> did it because he wanted to see if she'd run. He was like, well, we'll see. He's got ulterior motives. However, totally. He's done it. Ned tells him what she was saying. Mm-hmm. And that's why he talks to her. And I went, oh, shit. Yeah, he's trying to confront her, and then guess who shows up? Our Lieutenant Jeremy Foster. Our, our friendly him. redcoat. He is a good character in this show. How did you like the ending of the episode? I'll tell you what I don't yeah. like, is that I watch Outlander on Amazon Prime, and it freaking cuts off the last 30 seconds of this episode every time I watch it. <laughs> so, hey, I don't Seriously? like that about the end of this episode. Yeah, it's annoying. I am not a cliffhanger person. I don't like them. I never have. So for me, like I get why they left it like this because the whole point of a cliffhanger is to get people to come back and watch it again. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. I almost feel disrespected as an audience when there's a cliffhanger. It's like, seriously? Yeah. Uh, Nobody likes cliffhangers. Let's not do that in this life. Okay, cool. Right? No more that television show. Sometimes shows get canceled. Then what? At least kind of have some form of a conclusion so that way people's brains aren't exploding and feeling like this sucks. There's no resolution here. Nobody likes non-resolution. They almost feel cheap at the same time, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, so it's like, ugh. There we go. Yeah, we just finished our analysis of Rent. This was a really good conversation. Yeah, I feel like we touched on everything we wanted to touch on and had some surprise conversations as well. So, we're going to get to the part of our podcast where we talk best performance, favorite quote, and our yummy moment, which could be anything from, man, the way he ate that chocolate, or, oh, I really loved his shirt. Or, damn, that sets my pants on fire. (laughs) Yes. this episode is going to tell you the exact same thing. How could you not love somebody like that? Yeah, yeah. I agree with you 100% yeah. on that one. What was your favorite performance? Uh, Sam Hewitt on this one. Yeah, I love him. He's amazing in every facet of his craft. Honestly, I feel like he was made to play Jamie. Like, Jamie is his role of a lifetime. No matter who he plays after Outlander is over, like, this role was just perfect for him in every way. 
And he brings this humor to Jamie that I don't think some actors could have done as well as he does. And it's so understated a lot of the time. But then again, he does those sweet moments too. And he's so good at just giving like these little twitches of his face. And you know exactly what they're intended to mean. He's just so good. I. What about you? I'm in complete agreement with you, Chelsea. I wrote Sam as well. Like he just did a freaking amazing job showing Jamie's emotions like that moment when the shirt got ripped off and he didn't see it was coming just his facial expression when he grabbed the shirt from Claire and saying I can do this myself you know he just was so humiliated and that moment where him and Claire were talking up the tree just the little humor there where he's like don't worry no trees will be harmed and I agree like he brought the humor like he had the smirks he he knew what was what he was doing I completely agree with you what you said like he was totally meant to play Jamie even when I started reading book one I went holy shit he is Jamie this is mind-blowing to me and I just love that Sam has even said he knew he needed to play him like this was his character and he just has this special bond with Jamie and I love it like he just knows him and I just went this is so cool so so good I'm in full agreement with everything that you said it's funny that you mentioned that he knows Jamie and I was listening to a podcast that he did with the LA Times a couple weeks ago and he's talking about his role him and Katrina's role as producers in season five and uh, he said that he really just feels like he knows Jamie so well at this point and can literally like almost like it's a uh, whenever he reads a script, he has an inner dialogue. Like, he completely gets Jamie's actions, but every once in a while, there he'll surprise him, is what he said. He talks about Jamie like he's a person in his head, and it just, it's a very endearing thing for me to listen to Sam talk about Jamie, because Jamie is a person to him. Yeah. Yeah, Sam embodies him, but he, like, has a space in Sam's head almost. It's It's really interesting. I agree with you. It's very endearing to watch. And it's just really cool to see how much he cares about Jamie, how much Katrina cares about Claire. I agree with you. It's like Jamie is actually a person to him. And I love that even Jamie surprises him. It's in my brain that doesn't fully make sense. But like, I just, I find that fascinating. What about your favorite quote, Earl? Oh boy. I had a couple this episode. (laughs) I think that my favorite one was... You're a guest at the Mackenzie. We can insult you, but God help any other man that does. I love Murta. I love Murta. <laughs> He's amazing. What about you? I had two as well, but I just, I have an honorable mention. Let me put it that way. I do too. My first one, though, is genuinely like after Claire says, I believe your left hand gets jealous of your right. That's about all I believe. But my favorite line was when Rupert was like, I've never heard a woman make a joke. <laughs> I just, I, that line has stuck with me ever since I heard it. It's so funny. What about your honorable mention? Um, When Jamie says to Claire, you're not to judge things you don't understand. That line hits me on so many levels because it's a sound piece of advice, honestly. Like, if you don't know Mm -hmm. what's going on and you don't know the full story, keep your damn mouth shut. Like, I feel like everybody can stand to be told that (laughs) every once in a while. Because, like, even me, like, I'll be the first to admit, I put my two cents in where it's not always welcome, and even if I don't know the full story. And uh, especially in this day of social media with the so-called keyboard warriors, 
Like, if you don't know what's up, keep out of it. I completely agree with you. Everybody could use that in their life. <laughs> that specific line. <laughs> My honorable mention, honestly, was when he does say, Dinna, worry, the trees are safe, Sassanac. It was just really sweet. He knew, like, she didn't want him hurt, but he made the joke it was about the tree. Uh, try not to hit any more trees and break your wrist. And he's like, oh, don't worry, the trees are safe. <laughs> that moment got me emotional. I just went, this is Jamie and Claire right now. This is what's happening. And just, uh, I loved it. Yeah, so uh, time to move outside of rent officially. We are closing the door on 105 of Outlander. So small round of applause pat on the back for us. Yay! We're going to move on to the section of our podcast known as the Sassanac Files Recommends. So, did you have something this week? You know, no, because I actually brought up Twilight in the show, and I was, like, thinking, you know, someone actually told me this last night, that they had never read or seen those movies, and I went, what? And that's better than you reading and watching them and saying they suck, because they don't. So, yeah, Sassanac Files Universe, let me tell you, read those books. Watch those movies. They are the best adaptation of books I've ever seen on film, genuinely. As much as I like the Harry Potter books and I love seeing them on screen and what's going on in that world, I don't think they did those books justice. Um, and Chelsea and I, like, hardcore differ on this. Like, it is the reckoning picture, let me tell you guys. Um, but I don't think that they did the Hunger Games justice at all in the films. Yes, they picked some good actors, but the way they brought that to screen, I don't think they did it justice. I haven't read the Lord of the Rings book, but I love those movies a lot. And from what I've heard of people who have read those, that they did pretty well. I just think genuinely the Twilight movies were done really well. So like, I just think it's a good story. And I think some of you would genuinely like it a lot. I I don't really have anything new to recommend. Like I was talking a couple weeks ago, I'm still watching the Medici's. I have one episode left and I'm kind of dreading the end because then I have to go into the archives of my Droughtlander playlist and pick another show to watch. (laughs) Um, But honestly, what's been keeping me busy this week, I have a extremely long commute. And so I've been listening to um, book seven of, Outlander. I have Audible, and Davina Porter narrates the series, and she's amazing. It really just brings Claire to life for me in a way that, like, when I read the books, I think I missed a lot because the intonation, like, I read things differently than it was intended to be read. But when I'm listening to Davina narrate, I laugh so much. I really like him. So, yeah, if you have a long commute and you're intimidated by the length of these books because they are huge books. We're talking 1,200 pages. I think one of the mass market paperbacks, I think A Breath of Snow and Ashes is the longest one, and it's almost 1,400 pages. Um, If you're intimidated by the length of these books, because I know a lot of people are, they're like, I just can't get through a book that big. I strongly recommend getting the audiobooks because, A, you pick up on a lot more stuff because you're listening to somebody tell a story versus, like, looking at words on a page. Some people just can't do that, and I get that. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been listening to them on my commute, and, yeah, I would highly recommend that. I read, like, over half of Outlander just by myself, but I wasn't getting the story in quick enough, so I went and got the audiobook from the library, and Davina Porter reads sex scenes really well. Like, 
there's mm-hmm. a plus to that. I I personally don't like her take on Jamie's voice and everything, but like she is very good at reading a book. I still have a little trouble comprehending things sometimes when I read. It can look really intimidating. So it, it was definitely a slow read. <laughs> I don't want anybody to feel like, because I, I am a faster reader and me and Rebecca have had conversations about this because we had talked about doing almost like a book club or something. Once we get through all of our episode analysis, pick one of the books out of the series and talk chapters or whatever with you guys. Yeah. Which if that's something yeah. that you're interested in, please let us know in the comments for this episode because we have had serious conversations about this. But, you know, it's all about finding what format works for you. So totally read it, listen to it, or don't do either and just watch the TV show. No judgment <laughs> here. But the books are fantastic. And there's a lot in these books that can't possibly be portrayed on screen. They just there's no way they could take the time to put every facet of these books on screen. So it's a wealth of information as well, because there are things that you don't necessarily need to know from the books to understand the TV show, but that they like put in little things here and there in the TV show as a nod to the readers. And it's fun to pick up on that as well. Yeah. And then what I thought was interesting was getting in Claire's head. Because sometimes in the show, I'm like, what are you thinking? Because this is where my brain would go. And then I read only book one so far and went oh holy crap she was thinking that oh okay that's totally what Katrina was doing with her face like I get it now (laughs) (laughs) so yay there's that Um, and it's interesting because like you said you get in Claire's head in season one in the second book Roger is a main character Uh, you don't really see him till the end of season two Diana does something very interesting in that she adds a point of view every book. So by book eight, we've got like eight different POVs that we're dealing with. (laughs) So you get in somebody else's head and see a different point of view every book, which I think is extremely interesting. And the very first time that, I mean, we've talked about it before, Jamie's my favorite character. The very first time that I got a chapter from his point of view I was so freaking ecstatic, guys. Like, let me tell you, <laughs> it was dream come true for me. So, yeah, that's my okay. recommendation for this week. Okay. Thank you, Act, for listening to this week. We talked episode 105. Join us for the next one, where we talk 106, The Garrison Commander. Yeah, keep your eyes open for that. I'm genuinely excited because this was the episode that made me go, well, shit, I just have to find out what happens now. I can't give up on this story um because something in particular happens uh gets said in the episode that i went well shit this is gonna get interesting so yeah again keep your eyes open for the new one and we'll talk to you soon yeah guys don't forget to follow us on social media if you aren't following us already you can find us on facebook and instagram we try to put a little something something on there for you at least twice a day like to keep the funnies in there with the memes and then my little nod to the books is to try to have a quote on there every day. So yeah, keep your eyes out for that. Let us know how we're doing. If you have any questions or comments that you think we'll find interesting, let us know. You can also email us at the files at gmail.com. And I think that about wraps it up. So you guys have a good week and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.